Hey everybody, it's Josh and Chuck, your friends, and we are here to tell you about our upcoming book that's coming out this fall, the first ever Stuff You Should Know book, Chuck. That's right. What's the cool, super cool title we came up with? It's Stuff You Should Know, colon, an incomplete compendium of mostly interesting things. That's right. And it's coming along so great. We're super excited, you mm -hmm. guys. The uh, illustrations are amazing. Yes. And there's the look of the book. It's all just, it's exactly what we hoped it would be. And we cannot wait for you to get your hands on it. Yes, we can't. Um, and you don't have to wait, actually. Well, you do have to wait, but you don't have to wait to order. Uh, you can go pre-order the book right now, everywhere you get books. And you will eventually get a special gift for pre-ordering, which we're working on right now. That's right. So check it out soon, coming this fall. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck, Chuck, Jane, Chuckers Bryant, and this is Stuff You Should Know. The super gross, but I love it edition. Uh, big time trigger warning for people. This is about tapeworms. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is disgusting mm -hmm. and super creepy yeah. and gross, and I knew that you would love it. It's so great. So great. It's just <laughs> so grody. We're going all the way, baby. The word perianus comes up <laughs> at least once, and not in a good way. Oh, man. Perianus, he was a good guy. <laughs> he was. Best boss well, I've ever had. Was it, Oh, he was? Was he so. uh, was he the one who um, who made himself everybody's secret Santa every year? That's right. Yeah. You know old Perry Anus. Yep. Uh, you can count on him. And he would he would sign his name Perry Anus parentheses sorry. <laughs> uh, well, if you don't know what Perry Anus is, <laughs> just buckle up because, like you said, Chuck, it's going to be quite a ride. Because we are talking about tapeworms, and we're not talking just about tapeworms. We're talking about the idea of taking a tapeworm, ingesting it, and letting it live and grow in your body in the hopes that it will uh, divert enough nutrients and calories away from you that you can just eat whatever you want and lose weight at the same time. Because you're not getting fatter, the tapeworm is. Right. But we're mainly just talking about tapeworms because, well, I don't want to issue a spoiler this no, early. No, so seriously. We'll save that for Act 3. Okay. So tapeworms, yeah. uh, this is from our old HowStuffWorks.com website, which is nice to uh, find one of these. It is. Again. A little hidden gem hanging out. Uh, this is a Grabster article or originally. Just hidden in the anus. Waiting for us to discover it. <laughs> That's right. Actually, it <laughs> crawled its way out and dropped itself oh at my feet. So tapeworms, uh, <laughs> the very first line of this article is, a tapeworm is like something out of a horror movie. Yeah. And it really is. It is this uh, wormy little ribbon-shaped creature mm -hmm. that is a parasite in every sense of the word. Right. Uh, they can be very big. They can be as big as 80 feet long, and they can live in a host for up to 30 years. Yeah. Like, you could get a tapeworm as a kid, and that thing might be with you through every formative experience you've ever had. And you might That's actually right. be sad when it crawls out of your anus and detaches itself from you. That sounds like a Simpsons episode or something. Kind of, yeah. But maybe a little more like um, Cleveland show. <laughs> 
Um, the good news is uh, if you don't live in a developing nation, mm-hmm. then you probably don't need to worry about a tapeworm, although it can still happen to be sure. Yeah. But with good hygiene, good hand washing, good livestock practices, and good um, just fe- overall fecal and food handling practices, <laughs> it's not likely to be an issue with you. Yeah. Great practice, livestock. Great practice, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so if you are in the developing world, um, you there is a good chance that you can get a tapeworm because in some cases, uh, sanitation is not as great as you would like it to be. And there's more poop hanging around than than there should be or that there mm-hmm. there could be considering other modern practices. And then even beyond that, um, there is a lot more... Uh, living among livestock than there are in, say, like developed urban areas, right? So even in the developed world, they're, they're, if you go outside of the urban areas and you start running up against pigs and cows and their poop and stuff like that, um, you can conceivably catch a tapeworm fairly easily, especially if you're not really big into hand washing. Sure, uh, which you should be if you're around poop uh, from animals or humans or any kind of poop. Yeah, just... Anytime there's even any kind of coincidence of poop in your hands, even possibly, just take 20 seconds, recite the mm-hmm. alphabet, and wash your hands. Because if you don't, you might get some of that fecal material in your mouth. And aboard that fecal material can be um, tapeworm eggs. And that is how you get a tapeworm infection one way. In the developed world, you're much more likely to get it from something like eating undercooked meat. Right. I've never even had uh, pink eye. Oh, really? Never. It's not a pleasant experience, Chuck. All right, poop eye. Yeah, I got some fecal material in my own eye. <laughs> a couple of times, I guess. Poop eye the sailor man. Yeah. Like I was <laughs> sniffing my fingers, and I guess I got too close to my eye. <laughs> and there you go. You got your nose confused with your eyeball. <laughs> right. Again. Right. I had a little itch, and I was like, oh, no, what have I done? And it was too late. Ew. So parasites, like I said, or uh, tapeworms, like I said, are, are true parasites. Um, everything that it gets that it needs, it gets from its host. Right, and like that's how it lives, man. It just it it is like you said, a true parasite. In that, like y- all those things that you're supposed to be getting from the food you eat, some of it is being diverted by the, to the tapeworm, um, and they absorb nutrients like gangbusters. They actually don't have a mouth, which is weird because it looks like they have several mouths, but they actually use those mouths to hang on to your intestines inside so that they don't get flushed out by the peristaltic action that, you know, helps move poop and stuff along your intestines. And instead, the tapeworm is just kind of floating there, absorbing nutrients in the matrix of your gut juices, basically. And they absorb <laughs> oh, it They absorb it through their skin, um, and they're just really good at it, so much so that there's at least one type of uh, tapeworm out there that you can actually get from eating undercooked fish, pike specifically, that's so good at absorbing B12, it can outcompete you, its host, and you can get a pretty bad uh, vitamin B12 deficiency as a result. Ooh, so these tapeworms live in uh, all kinds of host animals. Mm-hmm. Like you know, they could, be, you could be you or me. It could be. Like you said, a fish, which is pretty surprising. Yeah. Um, most often you hear about beef and pigs, uh, or cow, I guess, is the animal, and pigs. 
but they, you know, depending on what kind of species it is, it might have a preference for a kind of host. And I guess we should describe the body of this thing. Oh, yeah. Right now. It's it's pretty gross. It's got a, a head, I guess you would call it. Or no, I call it the Skolex. <laughs> yeah, it's called the Skolex. Skolex, it's the top of the worm, mm-hmm. what we as humans might call a head. Yeah, but it looks like a, an old-timey diving head, diving helmet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sort of. Mm-hmm. It's it's round. It's got those suckers, so they look like kind of the portholes on the old dime, diving helmet. Um, and those, again, those suckers, they look like mouths that the thing would eat on, but no— they use it to suck onto the sides of your intestine. But at the top of the head, um, there are some hooks, like a ring of hooks that actually latch on to the, like really grip onto the side of your intestinal wall. So that, that tapeworm, once it gets its hooks and its suckers into your intestinal wall, it's not going anywhere. You know, we should bring back the term skin diver. <laughs> sure. You remember that? Skin diver? Yeah, wasn't that like uh, snorkeling? I think snorkeling or maybe even scuba is just such an antiquated term. Like, nobody uses that anymore. No, I know, because it, it, it makes no sense now, and it's possible it never made any sense. Like, I could see someone's granddad now saying, you know, <laughs> I'm going to get certified to be a skin diver. Right, and then I'm going to get me some pearls. And all, and all the kids laughing, Grandpa, no one says skin diver. Right. And Grandpa was probably saying a bunch of other stuff nobody says anymore, too, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. So we're bringing Skin Diver back. Okay. What, what was the last thing you said? Something about the Skolex? I said that once this thing gets its hooks and its, uh, its suckers into your intestinal wall, it's not going anywhere. Yeah, like a good catchy tune. Yeah, like a ear tapeworm. <laughs> so if it wasn't for the Skolex, uh, this article points out, you know, the Skolex is the problem. If it wasn't for this thing that – your intestines would just churn it out and you'd poop it out no problem. Mm-hmm. But the Skolex is really where the rubber meets the road as far as attaching to your body. Isn't that neat to think that peristolic action I was talking about? Like, it's just a bunch of, like, quivering muscles that, yeah. that move in a progressive direction toward your your rectum and anus and all of that that yeah. push, like, poop out through your intestines or push nutrients through and, where they're absorbed. But then it ultimately, like, pushes the poop out um, and that's how the whole thing works. It's just like some quivering muscles in there. And I read, Chuck, that if you take a stimulant um, laxative, that that's actually what it does is it really kind of um, energizes and makes those muscles contract, oh. which is good on the one hand because it, it really works. But on the other hand, it's bad because your body becomes dependent on those things really quickly. So yeah, you don't want to just take those willy-nilly. From what I saw, no. you want to try just about every other type of laxative there is first, starting with a diet high in insoluble fiber, and then mm-hmm. work your way on up to where you're talking to a doctor or a nurse practitioner or something before you're hitting those those um, stimulant laxatives. Yeah, I think the word laxative, it sort of is backward because it, it it makes it sound like it's relaxing everything. right. When, in fact, it's making everything work harder. It's pretty interesting. It's all upside down and dipsy-doo. <laughs> but I tell you what, there's a bunch of signs along the way that say one way. One way, everybody. <laughs> You're going this way whether you like it or not. <laughs> right. So the Skolex is, the, is like I said, where you're, you're sticking to the intestine. Mm-hmm. And then below the Skolex is the neck. 
And then the rest of it is, I mean, from the neck down, it's just sort of the same thing. There are all these uh, just individual segments, can be thousands of them, at least hundreds, Yeah, uh, called the strobilla. And each segment uh, by its own is known as a proglottid. Yeah. And those are like, when you look at a tapeworm and it just looks like a piece of like segmented tape, those those little segments, those proglottids, I I did not know this at all, but they're 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 basically reproductive organs that also contain eggs, and that the ones closest to the head are male sperm sacs, and that as you get further away from the head, those proglottids um, become female and egg holding. And that under cer- under some circumstances with some species of tapeworm, they can self um, uh, fertilize and and yeah, basically reproduce themselves, right? But more often than not, they're they're just kind of exchanging sperm and eggs with nearby neighbors who are again floating around in your intestines, absorbing nutrients and just sperming and egging everywhere inside your gut. Yeah. And you're just sitting there watching Jeopardy. And and it might be 80 feet long and 30 years old. <laughs> you're just, you have no idea what's going on. Like your gut may be infested with tapeworms right now. And you probably, you might not know. Yeah. Isn't that creepy? It, it was super creepy, yeah. All right. Let's take a break. And I gotta, I'm going to go wash my hands again. <laughs> and uh, we'll talk more about these uh, proglottids right after this. All right. Well, now, when you're on the road, driving in your truck, why not learn a thing or two from Josh and Chuck? It's Stuff You Should Know. All right. Okay, Chuck, so you promised more proglottid talk. Lay it on us. Yeah, so these proglottids can, um, like the tapeworm is hardy, but it can also break apart. Uh, it'll still be alive, like make no mistake, mm-hmm. like like a chameleon's tail. It's no big whoop if some of these proglottids break off, and they'll just come out uh, of your poop, and you might look at your stool and see these things and say, like, wow, I have a tapeworm. Thank goodness I got rid of it. But don't be fooled. There might be a lot of tapeworms still back up in your body. Yeah, because remember, up toward the neck is sperm. Down lower along the body is um, eggs. And then the lower you get are fertilized eggs. So when those proglottids break off toward the end and make their way out in your poop, um, they are they're fully fertilized egg sacs. And that's how they enter the environment. It's all part of the life cycle, the proglottids breaking off and making its way out of your anus. By the way, proglottids are spectacular in that not only are they segments filled with fertilized egg sacs by the time they break off and leave you, they also contain muscles, meaning that they can walk on their own. So these little segments of tapeworm filled with fertilized tapeworm eggs can move and crawl their way out of your butt. So much so that there's something called discharge of the proglottids, which um, is Great when, record. when, right, when... It was uh, a Yes album. That, totally. I was going to say that is so progressive. It's crazy. <laughs> but when they start marching their way out of your butt, you have a, a there's a crawling sensation. Yeah. 
perianus. Um, and that this is one reason why dogs with tapeworms butt scooch. Um, yes. And also why you might butt scooch too, because you are trying to erase the the um, very anus from your body to get rid of this crawling sensation for sure. But even if they don't crawl right out of your bottom, um, they they can still make their way out in your poop. And then they crawl away from the poop because if they crawl away from the poop and say like a pasture, right, where some human has just pooped, there might be a cow nearby that mm-hmm. eats the grass that this periglottid has broken open and like deposited the eggs into the soil. And when that cow eats those eggs, this life cycle starts all over again. You know what we call that uh, dog scooch in our house? What? The boot scootin' boogie. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you see the boot scootin' boogie happen uh-huh. in your house, yeah, it, it may not mean a tapeworm, but there, it's not good. No, um, little Mo does it sometimes, but she does this cute thing where she does a little one eighty in one place. She doesn't go like she doesn't make a line. She stays in oh, one spot and then just kind of does like the twist. And she eventually bores a hole in the floor and falls <laughs> through to another dimension. That's right. Yeah, the boot scootin' boogie also could be like uh, anal glands that need yeah. expressing right. or just a, a, a dingleberry that needs taking care of. Bored on a but Saturday it, night. <laughs> but it's never something awesome. It's never, you know, $100 bills or <laughs> right. just a dog that's like making some cool noise with their butt. Right. Ear, ear. <laughs> exactly. So, um, oh, man. Yeah. So the the this life cycle thing that just kicked off again, we should follow this through one more time, okay? I don't actually I don't even know if we've gone through this, but the the thing about tapeworms, and you kind of touched on it before, is they infest different animals, but the same kind of tapeworm might infest different animals as part of its life cycle, right? Yeah. So like when you just pooped in the cow pasture, and that proglottid opened up and deposited the eggs into the soil. And this cow eating grass ate that soil. Those eggs went into that cow and they said, okay, time to turn into our larval stage. And in the cow, they turn into larvae. But the larvae of tapeworms form like a cyst around them. And from what I can gather, the reason that they form the cyst is because they um, it pre- prevents them from setting off an immune response. Because like you were saying, you can have a tapeworm infection unless it's really bad and you're becoming really malnourished as a result. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a it's an adult tapeworm in your gut. You may never know that you had one until the thing just falls out of your bottom one day, uh, like it's done. Um, or you start, you know, discharging proglottids in your stool. It, the same thing with cows. Like when they become infested with um, tapeworm uh, larvae in these cyst forms, the cysts burrow their way out of the intestinal wall and then just implant themselves in the cow's muscles, don't seem to really provide any kind of discomfort or problem. And again, they don't set off an immune response. But the reason that they deposit themselves in their muscles is because somewhere along their evolutionary history, which from what we've seen goes back at least 270 million years, they figured out that the animals eat the muscles of other animals. And so we come along and we eat the muscles of the cows and those cysts, those larval cysts of tapeworms deposit into our guts and they mature into the um, adult tapeworm so that the whole life cycle begins again. Yeah, and what these, uh, at the larval stage, what they're trying to do, they're trying to get to the bloodstream. Right. So like if you eat eggs or whatever, then the they'll become 
those cystic larvals, and then they go into the bloodstream, right? That's right. Okay. So uh, if you have this, uh, if you have the tapeworm, then you have an, an infection known as uh, human tenis, uh, man, I had it. I even spelled it out. <laughs> Tiniasis. Nice. Is that right? I think so. That's how I was going to say it. And if you have that, like it's, like you said, it's not a big deal. It's asymptomatic probably, and you won't even know you've got it. Right. But that can develop into cystocercosis, and that is when these things get into your bloodstream, and that is not a good thing because the chain reaction that can happen from here is pretty bad. I mean, it, it can lead to death. It usually doesn't. Mm-hmm. But they can be anywhere in your body. Uh, they can grow, and they can inflame tissue. So. If it's putting pressure like near your eyeball, it can cause temporary blindness or Mm -hmm. permanent blindness. Uh, If it's near your brain, that's no good. It can cause brain damage. And uh, in fact, in some uh, countries, they think it's the main cause for adult onset uh, onset seizure. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that there's there's one guy, it's called neurocystic urcosis. And this one doctor says that at least 5 million cases of adult onset... um, seizures worldwide are from having tapeworm cysts in your brain. So the that was the appropriate response, Chuck. So yeah. the the thing is like when you eat a tapeworm larva, um it, it becomes an adult tapeworm in your gut. Humans aren't our bodies aren't set up or they're not in this kind of symbiosis with tapeworm eggs to do the same thing. So if we eat tapeworm eggs accidentally, then those become those cystic larvals larva and then that's that's what travels into our bloodstream and causes all of these problems and there's specifically one kind of pig tapeworm that st- it goes through its life cycle from pig to human to pig and under normal circumstances if we eat undercooked pork and get those larva they're going to turn into adult tapeworms but if we eat undercooked pork and we accidentally eat some eggs from that pork then that's when that cystic or cosis is that right yeah, cystic urcosis, it can be a real problem. That you will know, like you were saying, that you've got a, a tapeworm problem pretty pretty quick. Yeah, if they get big, they can block your, uh, your ducts, your pancreatic ducts, your bile ducts. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can get in your organs and grow within your organs, mm. which is something that should keep you awake at night. <laughs> uh, if they get large enough in your organs, that, that's going to – like those organs are not going to be good for very long. Uh, they can rupture sometimes, um, and this is just in the body, not necessarily in the organs. But if it ruptures in your body, then it's your your body's going to am- amount like an immuno response. Yeah. You're going to get hives. It's going to itch. Uh, it's going to swell, and you're just going to have like this massive allergic reaction. You're going to be like, what bug bit me? <laughs> right, except you won't be able to talk because your throat will have closed. Perhaps. So, Chuck, um, if you don't want a tapeworm, which hopefully by now you've realized you don't want a tapeworm, again, in the, in the developed world, it's not that hard to avoid a tapeworm. And in, in the United States in particular, um, like the meat packing industry is, I mean, it's dirty and gross and horrific, but it's actually pretty good at spotting things like tapeworms. So there's a really low chance that you're going to get your hands on meat from an American grocery store that has tapeworm cysts in it, right? Right. Probably not going to get a tapeworm. But just to be sure, the government has very um, conscientiously recommended 
some minimum cooking temperatures for things like whole cuts of meat, like a chop or a steak, right? I think it used to be 160 Fahrenheit. Now they've lowered it to something like 145, which is 63 degrees Celsius. And here's the key. They say after you're done cooking it to that internal temperature, which you want a meat thermometer. Do you have one of those? Sure. One of like the best things I've ever bought, Chuck. It really upped my steak game quite a bit. But the key to a good steak and apparently to killing tapeworms and other parasites is to letting your whole cut of meat rest for at least three minutes. I always do five after you cook before you carve it up and start eating. Do you do that? You should do that anyway because of the flavor and the juices. It just does something amazing. Like before I started doing that, I was just a schlub. I was a total loser. I had no idea what was going on in the world. Once I Would started you just take letting, it off the grill and put it in your mouth? Sure, yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean, put it on a plate and, like, start eating it, right? Once I started letting meat rest, it was like a whole new world. Yeah, and here's another tip. If you want a really delicious steak uh, or, I guess, pork chop, you you get one either. I mean, if you don't have one of these um, sort of slotted cutting boards for mm-hmm. it to rest on, use, like, a baker's rack or something mm-hmm. because you still get, maintain that crisp on the outer, that char, mm-hmm. if you just let it sit in its juices, that's going to get all, you know, it's going to change the texture. Oh, like a grill pan or something like that? Use that? Yeah, I've got this cutting board that has, uh, it's basically like a grid mm-hmm. instead of being flat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, it, and it has a, a little, uh, like a grill grate that can lift up and out of it. So it's never sitting like not much of the meat is sitting on a board when it's resting. So you don't want it to rest in its juices? No, I want to keep it crispy. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I gotta I'll have to try that because I always just basically I just put it on a plate and throw like a some foil loosely over it or else like a like a pan cover. You cover it too, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I've always read you cover. Know it's gonna keep cooking, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I mean it's yeah. not on the flame anymore, so it's like just kind of um yeah. Yeah, I know. I, for, I've never tried it uncovered. Maybe I will. I'll try uncovering and away from the juices and see what happens. You try covering it and leaving it in its juices. <laughs> uh, I don't even use a meat thermometer, so I think we have different steak games. You don't, huh? Do you like yours rare? Medium rare? N- medium rare, but if I know the th- thickness and the weight and the mm-hmm. temperature, mm-hmm. I don't need a meat thermometer. I stopped cooking as many steaks, so I have to kind of, I had to go back to elementary school again. No, there's no shame in it. Uh, I'm not ashamed. I had a, uh, I had a chef that I worked for that he could, uh, he just touched his. He's like, you can tell the internal, what the inside looks like just by touching the outside. Right. And we should tell people, there are probably people who haven't been listening that long and don't know the secret to steak that we've said before, Chuck. But you do not touch your steak. You don't cut it. You cook it. You sear it on one side for a minute and a half, two minutes tops, depending on how thick it is. Flip it over. Do the same thing to the other side. And then you take it off of your oven or your grill or whatever and move it into a convection oven, if you've got one, at about 390 degrees, three minutes to three and a half minutes per side for six to seven minutes total. Let it rest five minutes. Thank us in the morning. I don't do mine that way either. But like I said, we got different steak games. I thought you, I thought you said you'd tried it that way before, and you're like, "This is amazing." I've done all. I do all kinds of ways. Sometimes I do it in a pan, mm-hmm. and then stick it in the broiler. These days, I'm all about the grill again. 
because uh, I got a grill that can get really, really hot. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the key, you know? Like, you want to sear in those juices to keep it from escaping. Yeah. Which is another reason a meat thermometer is good if you don't, if you can't just use your thumb. You don't have to cut it open to look inside. You just plunge that thing in there and it tells you. <laughs> I think all this talk of uh, steak has made people forget that we're talking about tapeworms. Oh, yeah. Perianus tapeworms. <laughs> so, um, should we, I mean, I guess we should talk a little bit about the symptoms before we come back for the final act of uh, tapeworms as a weight loss aid. Yeah, agreed. But you might not have infection, or uh, I'm sorry, symptoms at first. Uh, you might feel a little weak. You might feel some. Di- you might have some diarrhea. You might feel dizzy or lose your appetite. Mm-hmm. You might lose a little weight. Uh, you might crave salt, which is an in- interesting one because I always crave salt. Yeah, I thought that was interesting too. Um, or pica in general. Like if you crave eating clay or just anything that you is a little weird is is a big sign. Are you saying pica now? Pica. Oh, yeah? That, I think I've always said that, haven't I? No, yeah, you always said pica. This is amazing. It's like starting our <laughs> podcast all over again after 12 years. It's a refresh. <laughs> yeah. Pika. That's so, what I'm going with now. All right. Uh, so you will get a you will deliver a stool sample um, if you go to the doctor, if you suspect you have a tapeworm. You want them to ask will, you for it first. Sure. Just don't bring it in a bag unless you happen to see that your poop has worms in it. Um. And the, you could bring it in, but you could also just say there were those were definitely worms in my poop. Yeah. And hopefully what happens is is that you've gone in there quickly enough to where it, it doesn't end up being a very big deal and you take a little anti-worm medication. Right. And this thing works by uh, basically kind of paralyzing the parasite so its muscles are permanently contracted. Man, that sounds it, unpleasant. Yeah, and, you know, we were talking about how that – that head just latches on. It's not able to latch on. It just comes right on out in your poop. I know. It goes, and just falls out, basically. And there are plenty of videos on the internet that show tapeworms that have come out of people's anuses. If you want to go see that kind of thing, they can get really, really long. Um, But that that drug, Chuck, that that you're talking about, the anti-worming agent, it's the same thing that they give dogs. Like any animal that's going to have it, a worm is going to get the same treatment. But yeah. they found they're pretty sure this particular one, uh, niclosamide, this deworming agent, is actually also good for things like treating cancer, diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis, graft-versus-host disease, endometriosis, and a bunch of other stuff. Because they're like, it does something to, to channeling pathways, uh, uh, multiple channeling pathways. And it might be like this wonder drug that's just waiting to be unlocked. Isn't that neat? That is super neat. Niclosamide. Should we take that break? Yeah, man, let's take the break. <laughs> All right, then we'll get to the big rev, uh, revelation. Relevation? No. Revelation. Yes. Can you use a tapeworm to lose weight? Right for this. Well, now, when you're on the road, driving in your truck, why not learn a thing or two from Josh and Chuck? It's Stuff You Should Know. Stuff You Should Know. All right. No, you can't, and you shouldn't. <laughs> That's right. 
So remember, Kelly Kapoor tried that, or else she considered taking it. I don't remember. Do you? Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. So, I mean, this has been around for a really long time, this idea that you can take a, eat a tapeworm of some sort, a tapeworm cyst, not eggs, because those will turn into cysts and invade your brain, um, that, that you could get a tapeworm infection and start to lose weight. Possibly as long as the 19th century, they think, that they're... So here's the thing. Do you remember when we did our episode on flea circuses? Sure. It was really thrilling to me because even while we were podcasting, I still could not tell for a little while whether it was a real thing or just one of the most <laughs> exquisitely per- per- perpetrated hoaxes ever, right? And that right. it was still working <laughs> on us. This is kind of a similar thing where it's not entirely clear if these old-timey ads are real, people think they typically are, or if they were real, if anybody actually did this or if it was some sort of farce or hoax or satire. And if it wasn't satire, how widespread was this? Because it does seem that there were 19th century ads, late 19th century, early 20th century ads, for sterilized tapeworm pills that women could take that were marketed toward women to keep their their figure trim. Right. Of course they were marketed toward women. Right. Take a tapeworm, ladies. <laughs> exactly. Uh, there was a, a singer, an opera singer named Maria Callas, who, uh, and this is almost certainly urban legend, but she lost, uh, I read, 80 pounds. I've seen other places, 60 pounds mm-hmm. over a few months in the mid-1950s, uh, so much so that it affected her singing uh, as an opera singer. And we do know that she got a tapeworm at some point in her life, and we do know that she liked to eat her steak rare. Right. But I think it it looks by and large like it was urban legend that it got kind of all mixed up together, and people said that Maria Callas lost weight by ingesting tapeworm. Right, right. Like, those two things did happen. She did lose weight, and she did have a tapeworm infection probably at some point in her life, but that the two were in no way related. But Correct. based on this kind of idea that you could take a tapeworm and lose weight— that that they became conflated into this urban legend, as you were saying, and that that's that's like the one that people point to as like proof that this actually happened, and actually it didn't it didn't happen at all like that. Supposedly, there is a clinic in Tijuana called mm-hmm. Worm Therapy, mm-hmm. uh, and supposedly this is the one place in the world where you can go get a tapeworm put into your body to lose weight. Uh, for about thirteen hundred bucks, you can get a beef tapeworm, um, and I've you know I've been to Tijuana a few times. I never sought out worm therapy, uh, but apparently it existed or it still exists. It's not clear. So they have a website. I think it's wormtherapy.com or .org, and it's dot edu. It has you know like you know contact form fields it shows a map of where it is and it isn't to you on and all that there's a phone number i didn't call the phone number but it's one of those things like is it actually real number 1 or is it just a, a hoax website if it's not a hoax website and it actually is a helminth therapy because remember in our hookworms episode we were talking about that theory that losing some kinds of parasitic worms they think actually harmed our immune system and led to a rise in like crohns and stuff like that yeah. So there are clinics out there in the world that use um, parasitic worms to help autoimmune diseases. 
So it's possible that worm therapy does that and that they don't do the beef tapeworm thing. But the urban legend is, is that they, they did, at least as, as recently as 2009, they offered it. It's just not clear whether any of this is true or not. Right. What we do know is true is that to, to purposefully do this is not a good idea. Right. It is not a healthy <laughs> way to lose weight. Uh, and you're not even going to lose, like, it said that you can expect to lose one to two pounds from a tapeworm a week. You can lose that much with a pretty aggressive uh, diet and exercise plan. Yeah. If supposedly just cutting 500 calories out from your diet every day, every week you could lose a pound. You can look forward to losing a pound. So, yeah, exactly. taking a tapeworm to do that is not, not a good idea, especially considering, so because that tapeworm is competing for nutrients from you, you're going to end up with a pretty um, nice, nice little case of malnutrition it, yeah. if it gets pretty bad. So you're actually going to be, your body's going to talk you into eating more than you normally would, right? So you'll develop even worse eating habits than you did than you have before the tapeworm infection, so that when you finally get around to taking a deworming agent and it gets rid of that tapeworm, when you just keep eating again, you're going to gain that weight right back. And you're probably going to gain more weight back because you've developed even worse eating habits from having the tapeworm. And again, all of this is based on the idea that any of this is even true to begin with, which is totally unclear still at this point. Yes, totally. So that's it. Don't don't take a tapeworm to lose weight. Just exercise and diet. That's, that is it. There's no better diet fad than that. Just exercise and diet, and you will lose weight and feel healthier and better and sleep better and have less chronic disease and just be far better off. That's it. That's right. You got anything else? No. Well, since Chuck said no, it's time for listener mail. This is from a high school student. We love hearing from high school students. This is from Kate. Kate says, Hi, uh, guys. I am a junior in high school from Massachusetts. Discovered the podcast in September at the start of the school year, and I've loved it ever since. It definitely makes my morning car rides much more interesting, and it does wonders to decrease my horrible road rage. Nice. I feel you, Kate. (laughs) Recently, as I was driving to Cape Cod, I was listening to your Spartacus episode. I've been studying Latin since sixth grade. Uh, And this year was my first year taking ancient Greek. So needless to say, I'm a huge nerd when it comes to Roman history. I couldn't help but to laugh when I heard you both struggling to pronounce the names of the Roman consuls and their important and other important historical figures. Uh, This quarantine has really been tough on me, guys, like it has on everyone. And I really needed that laugh. So I thought I would write to you as a sort of thank you note. Uh, Although your pronunciation may not have been great. The whole episode really did wonders to lighten my mood and uh, make me feel better. Uh, even though things are crazy right now, always uh, know that I have your podcast to listen to when I'm feeling down or just want to smile. Uh, wishing you health and happiness. That is from Kate in Massachusetts. Thanks a lot, Kate. That was nice of her to say our pronunciation may not have been great. <laughs> yeah, what she means <laughs> is, guys, you were way off. It was terrible. Uh, well, that was very nice, Kate, and it's nice to hear that we're uh, helping you out there. And uh, thank you for writing in. And if you are like Kate and we're helping you out, we always love hearing that kind of thing. You can send an email to us if you like. Wrap it up, spank it on the bottom, and send it off to stuffpodcast at iheartradio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. 
For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.